Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey, Tony. Hey. We, we have a sponsor now. It's crazy to me to, to say that because in my head, we're just like two guys who are like just shouting into the void. But it's like I know, people right? are actually listening. So it's like the last few episodes, I've been like really careful about things I say and things I don't. Because like at the beginning, I kind of just like threw everything out there. And now I'm like, um, hey, listeners. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know. Because like if we muffle, if we muzzle ourselves too much, then we. I'm not, the I'm not muzzling. I think show. I'm just realizing that like it has like now with oh, Twitter. People actually listen yeah, to like this. with Twitter. Like when I, when I first started on Twitter, I was just like, what, like it was my outlet. Like I really was just shouting yeah. into the void. And to a degree, I still do. Like if I do a, like a personal tweet, um, like it yeah. doesn't get a lot of likes or whatever. But like I realize now I'm like, I have to be really careful because there are like 450 people and it's not a big deal. But it's like there's like 450 people who follow me. I'm like there are there are people who like don't agree with my beliefs necessarily. Don't see I don't a lot of stuff that follow me. So if I'm just like tweeting out everything I want, just being like, Rawr! like it's gonna have a real effect in the real yeah, world. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like just thinking, being like, okay, the haystack is listening and they like what we're doing, and our Patreon followers like what we're doing, and our listeners like what we're doing. Okay, no pressure. Well, be funny, to make be it, funny, be I funny. Mean, to to make you feel a little bit better, and this is this while this is true, this isn't like this isn't why we're sponsored. I'm the guy that runs the Haystack Podcast Network. Shh, don't like uh, so I'm the one that listens to absurdity and determines. Dude, never tell them how the hot dog is made. Never tell them how the hot dog. Well, no, but this is what I'm pay saying. No like, attention that's not why I'm to sponsored. Becker behind the curtain. In fact, it was it was not even my suggestion. 
like it wasn't even my suggestion to have absurdity sponsored. It was someone else's on the leadership. No, sheet. I agree. So like, yeah. like uh, it wasn't. This is ne- you agree nepotism? with the fact that I just presented you? <laughs> yeah. No, I I I know that. I'm just yeah. like I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. let them have this mystery of like they just think we're awesome. Like this has been in the works for well, for like ever. And uh, no, it it is exciting though. Like well, it's really cool. Um, now we have sponsorship. I think we're, you know, we're going to definitely start investing in, in, uh, getting equipment and, yeah. and really up in this, taking it to the next level. That's exciting. Well, and what's really important to me with this show is that, I mean, even if we lost all finances, we could still keep it yeah. going. And that's, what's really important to me is that while sponsorships help make this easier, we've been running it for 47 episodes with no sponsorship yeah. and very little Patreon money. And we've been fine. And so, the reality is like, I'm my, not going to change what I say. Like if what we say yeah, like ends up getting us losing sponsors, like I'd rather be true to what we, you know what I mean? Well, that and it's like I feel like sponsors know what they get, are getting into yeah, when they sponsor they us. Like that's the thing. Like if you're <laughs> if you're sponsoring this show, like that's on you. Like you should absolutely know what 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 you're in for. There. I feel like I'm gonna have the um, same so. conversation with my wife after I get married. Like I'm just gonna sit <laughs> down and be like, "Look, you know what you signed up for, okay?" Don't yeah. get mad at me when I walk around naked and I make jokes. This is what you know. You know this is what it was. Well, that's and that's kind of how I feel. It's kind of like you know, you said for better or for worse when we when we got married. We never actually said there would be better. We just said if there was better, you'd be sticking around for it yeah. too. But we never actually explicitly said that there'd be better. So I'm just, this is why both of us are single. Yeah, um, probably. But yeah, so listeners, look, we're not going to change anything we do with a sponsorship. You'll just hear that blurb at the beginning of every episode. But other than that, um, that's ex- things will be normal yeah, exciting. here. It is exciting. It's nice to have a little bit of extra finances that we can put towards improving this show. I've poured every dollar that's gone into this show has been out of my own wallet, yeah. with the exception of the last several since we launched launched Patreon, Patreon yeah. and started getting Patreon. But we only we don't get that much. Honestly, we don't get that much from Patreon, but every little bit helps. Yeah. Like I'm not saying it doesn't. Like, I'm just saying like what's cool for the is, first like now like we're gonna be invest, investing in better equip better equipment. Um like at some point it'd be really cool to get like a dedicated um uh, a place to hold like all our episodes. Because um, right now we're just using like an account that you're paying for on Dropbox and stuff. So it'd be like, yeah, let's get a server or something that we can, you know, drop everything in, um, like an online cloud server or something. Like it's just it's just awesome to be able to do all this to where the point where, yeah, we're not gonna make money on this maybe for a while, but it's kind of like it's paying for itself now. You know the yes, that's Napoleon. exactly what it's doing. Is it's the 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 weight of paying for this and financing this is is off my is for the time being off my shoulders but it's very clear to me that and I want to make this clear if we lose all financial backers We're still going. this oh, yeah. show continues We're still doing this. because the equipment that we've already bought like is here I'm not going to lose it's not going to be I didn't take a loan out to or you know I'm not I'm not using this mic on a subscription basis uh that if we I don't hope. pay for, like it's already paid for and bought <laughs> um but we're hoping to improve over time. And the money's not, it's not a whole ton of money. So like, we're not, you're not going to see any real changes for a while. Cause you got to save up, but um, yeah. it does all go back into this awesome. show. So honestly, I think just that, getting rid of my old mic was probably the best improvement we've done. Yep. I agree. And then fixing it so that we weren't listening to your laptop, <laughs> but actually listening to you. Like, there had to be like two, three I was so confused. Like... Yeah. I was so confused. <laughs> it's okay. I was like, why is this setup sound so tinny and bad? Oh, that's why. Because it is tinny and, and bad. Is, I couldn't even hear the difference because 
Like the input was you don't yeah, know what it was this, coming you don't know in. What it was coming is. in. No, no, no. It was coming in from the mic. So what I was hearing was my voice in the mic. But what you were actually recording was my voice from the computer. So, yeah. Yeah. But now it's all on the same well, page. That's, it's much so much better. Yeah. So let's um basically, you know what it kind of feels like? It feels like we planted a church. With over a thousand downloads per episode now, it feels like um it feels like we planted a our, church. Our, the and seeds that's of our cult crazy has, to me. has been have been planted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't let some people hear that. <laughs> um, but it's crazy that we've created this kind of community, and I'm I'm thinking I'm trying to think of a way. The problem is that those thousand people. It's so nebulous, yeah. and it's really hard to make a community from podcasting because like people listen to this in their car. So anytime you tell them to go do something, it's all dependent when on whether or not they yeah, remember it like when they get home. And like everyone honk now or yeah. something. Yeah, it like it's it's a matter of I have to well, remember. What's crazy is like some of the other podcasts that have inspired like those type of communities. It's it's very organic the way they grow up, um, because like they have to recognize each other. Like, and we're going to try to like one of the things we're going to do once we get like equipment and stuff is start um, uh, like putting up like like um, t shirts and uh, various um, like stickers and stuff like that. And like that's where you really begin to see it is when people start wearing the I don't want to say paraphernalia because that sounds weird. But the the loot, yeah, the the, uh, the merch. merch. There we go. That's the word. When people yeah. start, which we already do. If you right, set up yeah. a Patreon right now, like there is merch on. Oh yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm gonna be adding more soon. I had some suggestions from a friend of mine that I really that I was like, that's a really great idea. And please do. So We'd love I try to, to stay it. away yeah. from. I try to stay away from heavy branding because I want shirts that you can wear kind of wherever, and exactly. it's not. I, I'm more simple is better. So you're never going to see a shirt that just says absurdity podcast with Ryan Becker or something like that. Like it's, you'll see absurdity branding, but you won't see podcast or my name, things like that. Like I want it to be something that you can wear just a out. a picture of my face, just, really. Like that'd be the best. Yeah, that's just put it right over the center so, or maybe two like over the. Well, first, Tony, we need a good picture of you and I'm not really sure one. Wow. You know what? This is cool Ouch. though. Caleb, Caleb Isley actually did this the other day. I took a picture with my, my I have an iPhone X. We're, this is the episode, by the way. This is what we're talking about now. Um, I have an iPhone X, and uh, I took a real like they have portrait mode, and I took a really good selfie yeah. with it. And Caleb Isley was actually like, "Oh, dude, that was a really good um, like photo." And I can't tell you the joy in my heart that I was like <laughs> talking about pride from the last episode. Like I was like, "Well, thank you." I mean, it was mostly the camera, pretty much all the camera. But but thank you. It was so cool because <laughs> it's so rare to have some comments. Like it's like I'm not an Instagram model. Like you know what I mean. Like I'm not a very attractive yeah. you know woman. So like I'm not out there to get likes. Hey, there are men that are that are doing. Oh that no, too. they are. No, they totally Let's are. I don't follow them. Um, but <laughs> like it's so rare to for me. Like I'm not doing that for that purpose at all. I'm doing it to be kind of like kooky and to have someone compliment. That was like <gasps> oh. That was so cool. I matter. Look at me mattering right now. Everyone. Like I showed people. I took a screenshot of and sent it to my family. I sent it to my parents. I I, exactly. I really, but they, oh. don't, they wouldn't care, by the way. My parents would be like, what that idiot? So that's cool. Nice. All right. So now that we've spent the first 10 minutes of this episode talking about sponsorships and how beautiful you are. All right, Becker, are, make it work. Let's... <laughs> Segway Let's jump into this. We talk about building a podcast community. All so I want to we're, today we're talking about today we're talking about um, communities. We're talking about healthy communities, unhealthy communities. What makes a 
community and, and what doesn't. And so um, this makes sense because both of us are coming from a pastoral background and growing up in the church where community is kind of like, if there's a physical product that we sell, that the church sells its community, right? Like like a transformed life and, and a relationship with Jesus, that's kind of the spiritual product. Though a transformed life uh, you know, can be argued both ways, but I would say community is the most immediate, tangible yeah. Um, immediate and tangible product for, that the for, church from the sells. Protestant, yeah, for for a Protestant church, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. The, the, so. the Catholic Church would argue that they also have like the sacraments, and so it's literally salvation. Yeah. Like literally, we offer you heaven here. Eat it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like for us, definitely, like that's the one thing that we offer, and and the, and and the Catholic Church offers that too. Like that's a big deal. Their traditions and their community is like a. It's like a really big selling point right now. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's interesting too, like that, com- that sense of community doesn't leave. Like I've seen, you know, you see atheist churches now and otherwise because they've people who are ex Christian or have left the faith, they see community as something that was so valuable and important. And they're like, wait, Christians don't have the monopoly on yeah. that. We want to do that. And so they take the, the, and, and that's fair. Like I get that community existed before Christianity did certainly. But uh, the idea with with Christianity is you've got community tied in with your spiritual walk and yeah. your transformed and, and life. a sense of morality, sense of um, ethos and and pathos. So yeah, yeah, it ties it yeah. in in a so, way that secular ideologies, I believe, can't. Because um, you look at communism, communism turns into totalitarianism in a blink of an eye. Um, at you know. The the a lot of people want to say like communism is the is the government of heaven. I'm like, well, no, that's a dictatorship, um, but it's a benevolent dictatorship because um, <laughs> the the dictator happens to be you know perfect. Um, but but yeah, like I think a lot of those secular ideologies are flawed, and the community um, that is that is created without a spiritual background tends to fail. Mm. Um, like it's crazy though because like you you like to me people like the church doesn't have a monopoly on it but it kind of does like like again you call them what church of atheists you know what i mean like when people are are a sports fan like they'll tell you like the baseball field it's it's a religion like they they call it um like a cathedral you know um same for like you know people who who follow bands like their concerts our cathedrals, like it's a church. Um, John Stewart, you know, the, the Daily Show uh, uh, ran it for years. He, he jokingly would say, but in very much all seriousness, he would say the E Street Band, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen's band, like that's the only church he would ever attend. Um, mm. And like, so in a sense, yeah, like we don't have a monopoly on it, but we kind of do because everyone bases that level of community, that level of closeness off of what the church has. But I think I think as far as community is concerned, what makes it a successful community is dependent on the goals I of think that community. Absolutely, like, absolutely I don't know right. that there's I don't know that there's an objective measure for what makes a community successful. I do think there are measures that objectively make a community healthy or unhealthy, but I don't think that as far as success is concerned, success is determined by the people in it. Yeah. And sure. um and so I mean and to be fair, if you're someone that believes success comes from a different 
perspective and you see a community being that considers itself successful, we would look out and say, no, that's not a successful community because it's based on X, Y, or Z. But they're like, no, that's exactly why it's successful. Yeah. And that's where it becomes subjective. Yeah. It's almost like communities are moral, morally relativistic. Um, and But as far as what makes something healthy or not, I think that's where it becomes objective. And I think that's the way we should be talking about community. Yeah. Not necessarily success or failure, but in terms of health and, and uh, healthy yeah. and unhealthy. Because yeah. I think, so, you could, like again, success is, is very subjective. But you, if someone walks in and like they want to have a successful diet um you can be like well your diet was successful you lost a lot of weight <clears throat> but you're dying so if your yeah. objective was to be just to lose weight yes you've done that um but i wouldn't <laughs> say that that's a very healthy diet because you're dying you know and yeah. and that's kind of the same thing is like uh you know someone comes in with a huge cough and we can objectively make that cough go away but if someone wants to come in and, and be, you know, have success in a health, I want to be healthier. That's very subjective. Like, well, healthy is, you know, it's, it's a spectrum. And so yep. you have to look at a community and be like, is this, is this a healthy community or is this? And, and for a lot of people that health can be success. I think every community wants to be healthy. Um, but the reality is for some people, that's not the marker that they want for it. Yeah. So, Let's, I mean, let's, let's just kind of jump in here with community and let's define it. So what, what community, I guess, as far as the definition is concerned, is a group of people walking through life together in any, or a group of people, actually, I would actually center it around this, a group of people centered around a common purpose or um, common reason. So common reason for existing together. So it, that, that, that way we also talk about sports. We talk about other religions. We talk about atheism, whatever. Um, Community is just people centered around a common goal or a common purpose. Is that does that sound right? Would you change no, that? No, I think that's accurate. Okay, good because I'm right. All right, so then <laughs> let's. That um, was a, that so was a healthy. What, that was a healthy description. Thank you. Uh, so then, what makes a community unhealthy? Um, and there's so many different markers to that. I think. I think what an unhealthy community is is one that is that does not significantly improve or it doesn't even have to be significant I think one that does not improve the lives of the members in it. Okay. Um so one that either stack keeps them the same or or drains um or drains yeah. them, yeah. I think that's that's okay. an unhealthy that's, community. That's fair. Um and that draining can be like uh, fear, um, you know, uh, safety, um, you know, financially draining. It can be emotionally draining. It can be mentally draining. Um, yeah. You know, where you actively get dumber. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, there are communities that do that. Um, so, yeah, like I think, yeah, I think one that, that takes a parasitic yeah. community, I think it's that's, that's the that's an unhealthy one. <clears throat> mm. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I I'm definitely willing to go there and and and, and accept that. Um, so, because uh, to me, an an unhealthy community, I would also add, um, doesn't just not imp But I, I okay, let me let me step back here. I would agree with you, and I would add that it also does not improve the lives of people around it. Yeah. Right? So whatever that community members, impacts, yeah. 
yeah, whatever that community impacts is also made worse or stays the same. So that that would be uh, that that might be an additional thing that I would say. And I even might to say be fair, that I, might even be one of the most important markers because because you can you can fake that our lives are getting better within the community, but a, a really good litmus test is: Are you benefiting those around you? I would say that's well, now probably we just even condemned more. like eighty percent of our. Tr- yeah, kidding. like I would say that's even better. Like that's an even better litmus test for the health of it. Is yeah. So what? Yeah. So okay. So then, what are the identifiers other than? I mean, the definition gives us a couple, but what what would you consider kind of the the identifier of an unhealthy community? Um, uh, one that has a lot of fear. I think that's a big one. So so, you know, if it's it's a very fearful community. Um, one with a exorbitant or large amount of competition, um, like to, to, to the point that it is tearing, like I said, like it, where it's draining. Competition of the where the tearing me apart, Lisa, like that kind of a thing. Like same thing. Like everything. Like every community has fear, and there's a certain amount of healthy fear. But like when it's draining, when that competition becomes draining, Um, so there's competition. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another unhealthy part of it is where um, the 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 power balance is is out of whack, um, where a small a small group of people holds the majority of of power. Um. That's an unhealthy community. Um, one that is divided and not united. That's another unhealthy community. And to be fair, all of these things I think can happen in phases. In other words, I don't think yeah. just because just because it's happening now doesn't mean your community is unhealthy in general. It just means that right now it's and, going and, through and, something that is a marker and, of an unhealthy community. And let me community. define this. When I say when we talk about these identifiers. Having this does not make you an unhealthy community, but unhealthy communities always have this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those are those things. Um, another thing for like a, a, what makes an, a, an identifier, if you look at a community and say, oh, this is this is unhealthy. This is not good. Um, those who cannot help themselves or those who do not cannot contribute to the community are either neglected or viewed as um, lesser. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's that's yeah, a big marker where, like, if you are not a contributor to it, you are viewed as unusable or trash, or we don't, you know, we don't want you. You're not. Well, and two, I think, and that that for me is unhealthy. Is is the uh, any. Any community that is either actively or inactively indirectly seeking the cause or harm of um, of others is, or seeking to cause yeah. harm to yeah. others, is unhealthy. Um, I, 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 you know, anything that devalues someone's sense of worth, anything that's looking to destroy them, anything that's looking like, like, um, I have no problems. Westboro Baptist Church, I think, is an unhealthy community. Yeah. Like, no, there's, for sure. and and that's me saying, I think. I you know I'm not like slandering them. I'm not trying to say like they're X Y. I'm just saying like look from where I stand, they are they they are 
harming others. Yeah. And I think there are ways in which our own churches in Adventism is definitely unhealthy. Um, I think there are things we do. I think the way that we talk about like LGBTQ issues, I think the way we talk about single people, I think the way we talk about um, Sabbath, I think the way we talk about a lot of things in yeah, many ways, way we, not yeah, all the I time. I think the way we talk about other communities a lot of times. Yeah. You know, people who aren't yeah. in our Adventist group. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like for years we got away with, with, and I hate to say it, but like Catholic bashing where, where we like, and I, I have issues with the papacy and the, the leadership, but like, I have no issues with Catholic people other than like individuals, but like for a long time, people would really bash on that and, and to a degree still do. And it's like, dude, that's kind of not cool. Like, yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. I think, I think too, we, we've said it was the papacy. Well, and, and I think, Oh no, Ross and Carrie is another podcast that actually they attended an evangelistic series uh, with David Stewart and amazing facts. Mm-hmm. And when it came down to identifying the antichrist as, as, as the papacy, they were like, okay, so how far up does that, or how far down does that conspiracy reach? Because you can say you don't have a problem with yeah. Catholics, but then where? And that's where we've done a poor job d- of actually what the identifying what you know, what the antichrist the line, is. Yeah. yeah, because they're you know it's not a person necessarily, and like I don't I don't it, it may be fulfilled through a person at some point, but ultimately like it's it's more of an office and, and position of power yeah. more than it Mentality is like who holds concept, it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, nor do I think it's a conspiracy that someone's in on, like. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know that there's someone sitting in the back. Well, I mean, maybe some there is at some do. point. Yeah. But whether or not it is, but, I mean, whether or not it is, I, I, I don't. Conspiracy theories, I don't give any weight to because they're theories. That's all they are. You can't prove yeah. them. And to yeah. me, so I'm like, whether or not there is some giant, you know, Illuminati conspiracy, whatever, like, okay, well, there and then, okay, so they secretly affect my life. But if it's so secret that I can't see it working, they're not doing a very good job. Like, yeah. They're not. Well, that's they're not actively like 1984ing this out here. Um, the other part of a community that I think is very huge is is this pride, this sense of and 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 like your definition of it, an overly inflated sense of self, and mm-hmm. over a sense of importance of self. so ethnocentrism. Yeah, or uh, as we titled in a previous episode, Adventist exceptionalism. If you're talking about right, Adventism. yeah, like I think that's. I think that's definitely, but any community does like, like you have a ton of communities that do that. Like it's not just but white people have done it for all of human history. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> to, to a degree. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can see definitely yeah. see the Nazis and everything like that, but even in smaller, I mean, just this thing about like even smaller, smaller, smaller communities. When you look at like a city and you have one suburb in the city that <clears throat> like is, is very prideful and isn't helpful like all they want to do is kind of keep it all within that section and so it's you get a lot of gentrification you get a lot of um you know exclusion and and like an overinflated sense of self like i am i am not only the best i am the only one that matters like that's a not a healthy community either yeah i agree i agree um and i think I think the thing the thing about these are these are all like these all can exist in a vacuum as far as like each one independently yeah. can exist and these are identifiers these are not like all of these have to happen and be happening simultaneously for you to be an unhealthy community. I think if you're doing any of these then that is marking some way you're unhealthy. I could run every day but only eat cake. 
I'm being unhealthy in one area of my life, even though I'm being yeah. healthy in another. And so I think it's not just like, oh, this is an unhealthy community, but there are parts of our lives and parts of our communities that They're are unhealthy. unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, so let's, okay, so now let's go to the flip and like, side. And what, like I said what? again, having this doesn't make you an unhealthy community. Unhealthy communities have this. Yeah. So let's jump into this then. Okay. What, what, what's a healthy community? Um, healthy community, I, I think, is one. I disagree. <laughs> Um, is one that is not only not only improves the lives of those who are within it, but improves the lives of the people tangentially connected around it. Yeah, that it reaches. Yeah. So that it. Yeah, one that is able to not only not only help m- people members in it, but also help those who who are not. And that I think is is the biggest yeah. marker. Of a healthy community, when you see one that is like, re- like, wow, it's seeking the good of those in it and those, and those around, around it. it. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know there are some sports communities and teams. Like I think that it's so weird. Like, um, uh, so Johnny Swim, the band Johnny yeah. Swim, has a song called "Drunks." They're, they're like, I want to write a song that the drunks all sing, and that's like the opening line of the song. And they wrote it. They were inspired to write it after they were watching, I think, a soccer game in a bar, and everyone was pitted against each other and then because like you know one half of the bar was watching one team the other half was watching another and as soon as the game ended all of a sudden everyone erupts in like common songs that came up on the bar and all of a sudden the team divisions turned into united in the sport um and i think when that becomes unhealthy is when um is when someone is unable to do that you're unable to look beyond that like just just two weeks ago i drove from i'm a i'm a chelsea fan Two weeks ago, I drove from Charlotte to Chattanooga, six hours one way, and back to pick up a friend to watch a Liverpool game. <laughs> and I'm a Chelsea yeah. fan. Like that's that's not something that like. So I think when when you can when you can I when you can remember the greater purpose that you're a part of and the greater community that you're a part of, then it becomes something healthy. But when you refuse to acknowledge what actually a, a healthy community focuses on what connects them, not what divides them. It, it focuses on what, what bridges are built between them and what unites them and not what divides them. And this is, this honestly, for me, as far as within Adventism has been kind of the biggest marker of, of, of a lack of health, is that for the last decade, at least, we've been focusing on a lot of things that divide us, whether it's health, the way we keep Sabbath, whether it's women's ordination, whether we've been focusing on these things that divide us. And and there have been many times where people are unwilling to work with the other side of these debates because we've forgotten the bigger overarching yeah. thing, Jesus, <laughs> God, yeah. that actually unites us. And I'm not saying that we just forget those other things, because when those other things are being discussed and are on the table, like some of those things are, are a necessity to discuss. I think women's ordination is one of them. I think the only way it gets better is if we discuss it and, and work through it and figure it out. The, but to actively hate... Yeah. And forget where we come from, and forget the thing that unites us is the problem. Well, the 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 common joke that I, I've heard from a few, <clears throat> um, I listen to a lot of stand up comedy, so a lot of anyway. Point being, you know, I've heard from a few stand up comics is like the only way we're going to beat racism is when the aliens invade and everyone gets together and hates them. Because <laughs> yeah, okay, you might be an Arab and an Islam, but at least we're not like those you know eight armed suckers. Like let's get them. Like that's yeah. You know, like that's the only way we're going to beat hate on Earth is to hate on another planet. Um, 
And that's kind of the truth. Like, it was interesting. I was watching this movie, Bright, and it wasn't very good. It's on Netflix. Um, oh, that's the Will, the Will Smith, Smith one, right? one, and Joel Edgerton's yeah. in it. That was like, all the social justice stuff was like super obvious and not subtle at all. Yeah. And what was interesting about it, though, is at one point, there's their ogres, um, which are actually, I think they're actually called... Um, um, Orcs, yeah, yeah, they are. They're orcs. So, which is just fascinating to me that they, we call it that. Lord of the Rings is just permeated anyway everywhere. So the the orc communities, um, and and this is in L.A. And one of the orc leaders was like, I grew up in Florida, and there are great orc communities there. And like, not like we used to have, throw barbecues, and everyone would come in, like different people from all like the you know the elves and the humans, and like everyone would come in. And over here, it's so divided, and we have to watch out for each other, and we have to stick together. And I thought that was so interesting because the comment on it was so huge that the mark of a healthy community was that when one race or, you know, through a barbecue, all the other races came. And, you know, this wasn't just our thing. This was, quote, unquote, our thing. Like, mm. it was bigger than just us. Like, we, everyone would come to it that marks a healthy community. And I was, it was so significant to me because I go, yeah, like when you can see past the differences to connect, that's when it becomes like a healthy community. And that's the reality is like a healthy church and a healthy church community is one that not only is helpful to those that are in it, which I think we need to help a lot. That's step number one. Because if you're not even healthy, like, you know what I mean? Like, no one's going to want to join, you know, no one's going to want to step into a room that's filled with poisonous plants. Yeah. So you got to get rid of those first. But then when you're able to not only reach, but then to, like, reach out and not in a, like, ulterior motives way, like in a just, we're going to improve the lives of everyone around us because we have been so... You know, we're, we're, we have, we have bountiful blessings. Um, and that's the other thing is like they tie in from a sociological standpoint, whenever there's a, a lack of food, it's interesting because people get super tribal. Um, and when there is a lack, you will see the true health of a community because, and this was interesting when hurricane Aniki hit Kauai, I lived on Kauai for a year. When Hurricane Aniki hit, it was horrible. It was in, I think, 94. Um, and this is interestingly, what if you go to Kauai now, there are, like, wild roosters all over the place. It's from that hurricane because, like, it knocked over a bunch of chicken coops and, like, the chickens just went out and became wild. So, so now it's kind of known for having these wild chickens everywhere. Not the point. point is, when that hurricane hit, it was significant because people in the neighborhood, like, they would throw huge barbecues in the street because there, there, there was no power, so all the food was going to go bad. And what's interesting is... The people in the community that hoarded their food instead of sharing to the communities and becoming like like supporting each other ended up becoming so ostracized from it they had to leave and move away. Because people remembered the fact that when we all came together, instead of helping everyone else, you only cared about yourself. And they remembered that even when the quote unquote good times came back. That okay, so you only care about you. Well, then you're not a part of our community. And that's a healthy community. A healthy community is one that even when the bad times come, 
still comes together rather than pulls away. And that was interesting to me to watch from a sociological standpoint because that is so true throughout history. Whenever there's a famine or something like that, a community that can not only help itself but then help other people is a healthy community. Ones that pull apart and are like, there's only enough for us. We're going to care about us first. Those are the ones that are that that become unhealthy and and usually end up becoming ostracized, and and <clears throat> end up going away. Yeah, I would agree. And I would add, I think too, healthy communities have a lack of fear, and they have a lot of transparency. Yeah. So mem- so members of the community are free to speak their mind, and there are ways to you do feel it safe. safely and you healthily. Safe. Yeah. Um, and you're not afraid. Like there's the the authority structure isn't such that you're going to be removed for speaking your mind. Like. To be honest, I've been a little afraid on this podcast. I like I have, but some of that has been self, like self imposed, in that we do live in a, we're in a denomination where I'm a pastor, I'm an employee of the denomination, but we can openly speak about the things that are going on in this community, and I think that's one of the things that actually makes us healthy, is the fact that members and pastors can talk about some of this stuff, and yeah, um, and be yeah. okay. Like I I've not been fired. I mean, you want to have <laughs> um, discretion obviously. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there are some things like it's not okay to talk about because it's a professional environment too. And there are certain restrictions in a professional environment that, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds. But in general, it's, um, it is a marker of a healthy community that, that we can ha- even have these yeah. conversations and, and talk about things that bother us and things that we see as uh, that are issues. That's absolutely true. It's interesting because I, my dad cares very much about my reputation. Um, he he's seen a lot of people go through it. I really don't care about my reputation. Um, but it's interesting to me because I come from a generation of transparency. He comes from a generation of <clears throat> not transparency. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you can't like to, he would hate my Twitter account. Like, that's just the reality is like, if I ever get fired, it's going to be because somebody, you know, got on my Twitter and it's like, yeah, I'm very open and transparent. Like I'm very much myself on there. But if, if someone were to call me on that, I'd be like, look, this is who I am. If you want to come to me from a pastoral standpoint, I will talk to you as a pastor. But, you know, being a pastor, if I lose my job because of I I am acting, I am being transparent with who I am and what's real in my life, then I'm okay with that. And that's not a job that, to me, was healthy. And obviously, I want to be able to do as much ministry as I can, but not at the cost of changing who I am. And that's the difference is mm. he grew up, you know, he grew up in a very Hispanic conservative environment where like your reputation was, you know, huge. And I'm not saying it's not either. Like you have to be very careful um, in this day and age, especially because, you know, we we want to be able to combat um, uh, uh, sexual assault and the Me Too movement. It's so important. So you have to be very not just in a sexual, but in any aspect of your reputation, you know, do things, create a, a sense where people understand that you are responsible that you're going to do smart things but at the same time it's like jesus would get fired today like jesus would get fired today because of the people that he hung out with like he would well, and the things he said yeah. to religious leadership yeah. like he could not be an adventist pastor in the environment that we have right now and it's like we need to change our environment to the point where we we can we can be like that because i can't do the same things he did like as a pastor i can't go to the red light district and spend time in people's houses that are disreputable. I can't do that. Yeah. Well, and we've got an issue too with like I'm single, so um So was Jesus. Just pointing like, out. Just pointing out. Just no, saying no, no, Jesus no, no. was a single guy. Hashtags 
What hashtag I'm saying, single, hashtag singles ministry. Okay, but what I'm saying <laughs> is that because of the way our community currently operates, and because of idiot guys who take advantage of women, now we're seeing women put in a position where, like the Billy Graham rule, right? It exists. So if you don't know what the Billy Graham rule, it's basically that you're, that a male is never alone with a female in any sort of situation, yeah. right? Like there's always one other party involved or, or present, and. Um, the Billy Graham rule, what it's resulted in is basically this fear of women because men can't control themselves um, or this fear of women because they fear what the women will do. Like I tend to keep the Billy Graham rule because I'm actually afraid of false accusations. Yeah, same here. Which have happened. So it's like um, th- that is something that that does you know worry me. But the problem is that because because we live in a community where that exists, where the, where the need for that exists, what ends up happening is now women don't have the equal seat at the table that they should. Because a guy can walk into my office or into my apartment and talk to me about whatever thing they want to talk to me about. They can, they can, um, and it can be as serious as it needs to be. I can go meet with a male elder who's having, who I'm having problems with and confront them on it. But if I want to meet with a woman elder, it has to be somewhere public when someone can overhear, or there has to be a third party involved that now has to know what I'm talking about, even if it's something private between me and that person. And that's really frustrating. Like, women don't get an equal seat at the table because of the perversion of men who've abused their position of power and because of people who who have this inflated sense of of what your boundaries should be as a pastor and so or as you know someone in any sort of position of authority and so they say you can't do this yeah. and that's a problem and, and the reality is like yeah you don't want to put yourself in a bad position but like if i have a friend you know, and now I'm not a single pastor and I have a friend who's driving through that wants to crash in my place and just crash on a couch. If it's a guy, I can totally do that. I can be like, yeah, dude, crash my couch. I don't care. Like, I have space. If that's a girl, mm-mm. I have to really think about it and I can't be open about it if it does happen because, ooh, this is bad. And I'm like, why? I mean, obviously, yeah, it's, it's, oh, and there's a lot of temptation. And that's all true. But let's be real, it's 2018. Not every guy that's going to come crashing through is straight. Well, that's why, yeah. Like, well, that's why, and that's why I hate the, the verse, uh, I forget exactly where it is, but the appear, avoid the appearance of all evil, and the actual... Application. Um, the actual, yeah. the actual like, so the actual translation is the word appearance isn't really there, it's a different word, and so we've taken it to mean, like, avoid even that someone could determine that you're doing evil. But Jesus never did that. Yeah. In fact, Scripture is full of examples where the Bible heroes did things that were good that others perceived as yeah. evil. And so if we're supposed to avoid the appearance of evil, well, not even Jesus did that. And so Jesus fails his own metric and, for and, sinlessness. And going back to that idea of a healthy community, I want to get to the point where our churches are such a healthy community that I can say that and there will be this implicit trust, not because of the fact that, oh, well, he's such a holy person because pastors are just as human too, but rather that I can come forward and say, look, hey, this happened. Like there's such a trust and safety in that community that I can be like, yeah, no, I'm doing this. Um, you know, so we want to come and, and stay so that there's two of us or or if, <clears throat> you know, and I've, and I've actually had to do that where someone wants to come and crash and it's, it's a girlfriend and I'm like, hey, uh, I can recommend you to a family. And so they stayed with like a family, um, that kind of a thing. Uh, but like, I want to have such a safety where it's like, even if something did happen, I can walk in and have a safety in being that transparent. Um, there was an elder, uh, and he was like Gandalf dude. Like this dude was so smart. His name was Martin Arthur. And, uh, 
Uncle Martin. He was in he was in uh, Hawaii. And this dude was like Gandalf. I'm not kidding. He had a radio voice, so like super deep and melodic. And, and it was just crazy. This dude has so much wisdom. He once said a phrase that to me will always stick with me. And it was much more ideological. It wasn't practical. But he said, I long for the day when there are no more silent prayer requests. And obviously there's some things that, again, you don't want to air your dirty laundry. Like, But he was saying, I long for the day when church is such a place of safety and we are so transparent and we are so trusting of each other and we are so not judgmental that we can completely take off our masks and we can just say whatever is going on in our life, whatever our struggles are, whatever, we don't need to have a silent prayer request where it's like, well, I, I can't reveal that because well, that you know somebody would take that the wrong way. It's like, no, where it's like, this is the place where I can absolutely unload and unburden. And yeah. that's what church should be. That's And to me, I go, that's why so many of our churches aren't healthy. That's why so many of our churches experience trouble with growth. And we try to, we, we talk about the fact that it's not programs, right? Like, and this is what's interesting to me. Like, we talk about the fact like, oh, well, it's not programs, it's not programs. And then we try to fix the fact that it's not programs with more programs instead of saying, okay, so it's like, no, it's just better evangelistic programs or it's better church planting programs. Or it's, instead of saying, no, it's because we're not being 100% transparent. It's because we're not a safe community. It's because we're not a healthy community. When you become a healthy community, then those types of things can can open up. And it isn't a yeah. program. It's about being a healthy community. But sometimes those programs are indicative of whether your community is healthy or not. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is kind of one of the things I think that pastors shouldn't be a paid position. And I say that as someone who's being paid to be a pastor, like, because the fact is when, when your livelihood depends on your, your, you know, ability to stay sinless, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean? Like your ability to not make those mistakes, then you lose it. And what, what becomes encouraged or what you become encouraged to do is hide it and yeah. hide sins and not be transparent because you know you're going to lose your job. And if you've got a family to support, rent to pay, mortgage to pay, bills to pay, you know, yourself to take care of, health insurance, all this other stuff, like you're you become afraid to tell the truth. And this is why I this is why I do love the house church model. This is why I love yeah. that like the tent maker idea because then your job and your pay isn't based on um you know, isn't it, that fear doesn't play a factor as much anymore. It does play a factor in that you don't want to lose the community you're a part of. But the pressure's off to be this perfect person um, that uh, everyone expects you to be. And I think that's part of what makes us unhealthy is that there is that that kind of thing on the pastor. And I'm not entirely sure how to get rid of it, um, like that perception of what a pastor should be. And um, But in general, like, yeah, you shouldn't... This is my thing. You shouldn't be in a position where you lose your livelihood because of, because of that kind of personal mistake. Like... And and yet we've created a we've created with pastors being a full time job we've created that kind of system and that's what worries me and I'm not saying that you should be just allowed to make mistakes and do whatever you want with no repercussions that's not what I'm saying um, and I do think there are some things that if you do yeah you shouldn't be a leader anymore so why are we making the leadership based on those moral things um, where if you fail because you're human then um, you lose it, and you lose the ability to take care of yourself and take care of others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do we fix that? Um, I think we just start being more transparent. I mean, it's it's about culture. Um, we have to change the culture of the church and perception of all that. But <clears throat> again, I go back to if we're in, if we build healthy communities, we can start to do that. 
and and culture community it's it's kind of they're not interweavable interchangeable but they're very similar um the culture of a community is tied in with that community um so like and 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 a community can be tied to a culture um most communities aren't most communities are tied to a place or an interest but some some can be tied to cultures and memes and, and things like that. Um, so, like for Adventist churches, you can have a community change its culture. Um, they are not tied to; uh, they're tied to a set of beliefs, but not to a culture. So you can go from a very works dominated, um, perfectionist, uh, unsafe culture to one of safety. You can do that. What's cool to me is you, you see guys like David Ashrick and Ty Gibson and some of these guys. Um, James Rafferty's still on the fence for me. I think he's a cool dude, but I think to me he hasn't quite gone over as much as, as some of the others. But <clears throat> like you see them where they used to be very works-dominated. They used to be very um, unhealthy in their perceptions, and then they completely changed that that culture. Um, you know, Light Bears Ministry and everything, it really, you know, flipped around. And it's awesome to see that because they didn't stop being, quote unquote, conservative. They're still very conservative theologically. But they became much healthier as people and able to acknowledge certain things. And, and I think that's awesome. And I think that's what we need to do to build up in our communities um, so that our churches can become healthy. Because here's the thing, man, like I said before, God's not going to send people into a room full of like a church full of poisonous plants, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing that nobody sense. I, I, I was involved in a church that was a toxic environment, man. It was just toxic. And mm. yeah, we, we actually got in trouble um, with the conference and the evangelism director because we hadn't had evangelistic growth in two years. And I wanted to smack this dude and be like, yeah, because people are dying. Like I'm not gonna I I'm not I'm not gonna do an evangelistic series right now because people are dying inside. Like, yeah. the, you know, like I'm not gonna do that. Like we're in. I'm not gonna invite them. people into a community that doesn't know how to. And be And this a is community. the thing that we need to change as far as our perception. Like I love evangelists. I have a great love for them. I understand that their ministry is important, but I have beef. The the majority of people in our church that I have beef with are evangelists. For several reasons. Number one, they have an overinflated sense of self and and what it means to actually be an evangelist. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Not all of them, not the majority of them, but there are a significant amount that are very like, my way, this is my way. <laughs> and they will quote Owen White to, to prove that, which to me is like she wouldn't quote herself. Anyway, point being, <laughs> a lot of times these people don't understand that a healthy community is the most vital part and they want yeah. to grow. And some of them get it. Like some of them understand it and they're like the, the foundation of evangelism is a healthy community. Um, guys like, uh, um, Oh, he's a British dude. He used to be down in Florida. Um, short little awesome guy. He did the, the Ekbalo prayer. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but guys like that, like they talk about like how important it is to have a healthy community and that's, and that's the, basis to springboard for good evangelism but like this particular evangelism director for the conference man he just didn't get it like he was just like no you need to be growing all the time all the time it's like no if you don't have a healthy community man an unhealthy community is going to do way more damage to not only itself but to the surrounding 
area. And by oh, extension, absolutely. you know, you can poison that well in that area for decades. Um, when I was in Hawaii, man, one of the churches there, I won't say which one, you know who you are, people who listen, um, that I have no idea if they listen or not, but that's one of those community, one of those churches, man, when I got there, I tried to do stuff with the communities on the Island. And literally I was told, Oh, they have a really Adventists have a really bad reputation on this Island because of this church by other people, not, not the Adventists, other people on the Island were like, Oh yeah, no, this, this group like is really bad. Like we don't really do stuff with them because of this. And I was like, Oh man, like they don't even realize mm. the effect they've had. And in their minds, they were a super healthy community because, oh yeah, well, we're doing all the Adventisty stuff and we meet every week and we, and it's like, you don't realize un- how unhealthy you are because you've poisoned this well. Like, yeah, you could have the best evangelist in the world. Jesus could come and try to help and, and it's not going to work because you've poisoned the well so bad. And I think that's the issue, you know, the, the Jewish community in Jerusalem around the time of Christ um, was not a healthy community. Why? Because Jesus himself came to that community and they killed him for it. And that's the, that's mm. another good litmus test for me is for churches. If Jesus showed up and started doing his ministry the way he did it then in your community now, would he be accepted and encouraged and followed or not? Yeah. That's a good litmus yeah. test. I agree. And I think, you know, I, I've really, in the last two years of pastoring small churches, my idea for a metric of what makes a church successful has has, has radically changed. Yeah. And, you know, in college, I used to be the guy that would say, like, if a church isn't growing, shut it down, like, cut it off. And then I'm like, well, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, 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 let's flip this script a little bit here, because... I agree that that growth is a sign of a healthy community that yeah. other people want to be a part of it but like healthy communities to me are really those that make the area around them better are they meeting the needs of the people around them and for a church specifically and so for me is is a church involved in the community are they making a difference are they are they making lives better because if they are then why does it matter like why are we why why does it matter that they're baptizing 10 or 15 or 36 people per or year any, really or any like like, if we shut those down, all we're doing is abandoning the Adventists in those towns and saying, well, you didn't do good enough as a community, so that's that. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, against, I, I'm against that model. Yeah. And I understand that growth is a sign of health. Don't get me wrong. It, and there is some growth that naturally happens as a result of it. But I really, my idea of what makes a healthy community and a healthy church has radically changed as a result of being in communities where my members are un- physically unable to do a whole lot yeah. other than attend church. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting about that is that like the ultimate metric for a healthy church is one that can plant another church. To me, that's like mm. you have to be in, in order to do that, you have to be in a healthy place. Like you have to be in a good place yeah. to be able to do that. But that isn't the only thing you can do to prove you're a healthy church. Like a healthy church, spreading the Adventist message is so much more than planting churches and baptizing people. It's getting people ready for Jesus' second coming. If you can do that without necessarily having them join the Adventist church, okay, well, then you're succeeding. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, especially when you consider, like, what we believe about the end times, that, yeah, at some point there's going to be a line drawn in the sand and people are going to choose 
hey, um, are we going to follow God or are we going to follow, um, you know, are we going to follow uh, this this other, you know, path? And and we've done a good job of setting the Adventist church up so that people see us and they say, yeah, no, I knew Adventists. Um, the best way I can say this, I, I, was, I was involved uh, when I was younger, when I was growing up, I was in a homeschool community and... Um, it was a bunch of different Christians. It was a Christian homeschool community, but it was all denominations, a bunch of different people. Majority of them came from a few denominational churches in the area, but there really was, like, we had the full spectrum. And we were the only Adventists there. And what's interesting is there were these two extremely good-looking um, sisters that went to this this co-op, right? Um, to the point of, like, like model gorgeous, okay? And super spiritual, just just amazing. And so I was trying to hang out with them and spend time with them because I was this, you know, 16-year-old boy. And um, their dad was, of course, very protective, big dude. And one time they invited me to go to a church function on Sunday. So I was like, cool, yeah. So I went. And um, afterwards, the, they, they all went to, like, Jason's Deli or something nearby. And so we were sitting down. The dad kind of finally, grudgingly, like, talked to me, like, oh, well, what do you think about this? Like, who are you, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, um, what did you say you were again? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Seventh-day Adventist. And he turns and looked at me real quick and goes, do you have people in Michigan? <laughs> and immediately I was oh, like, no. oh, no. I was like, yes, we have a large. For those of you who don't know, um, the, the, the Michigan Conference has a reputation of being very conservative and very anti-not-Adventist. So, so anyone who's not Adventist is kind of viewed as Babylon. So I was panicking. I'm like, oh, no. Um, and so he, he, I was like, yeah. And he goes, I used, I grew up just outside of Battle Creek. And I'm like, oh, great, which is one of the most conservative communities. And he goes, I used to go to this place, and they were always friendly, and they had amazing bread. And he goes, they're good people. And his whole tone of how he responded to me changed. Wow. Because how this community treated him. And I go, that guy is going to hear if he lives to when Jesus comes again and that line is drawn in the sand and the, the followers of God are on one side and the other, he's going to see us and say, I know Seventh-day Adventists. I remember them. Those are good people. That's the memory that's going to last in his head. And I go, that's the ultimate benchmark. The ultimate metric of a healthy community is being able to plan another church, but the benchmark is, are you leaving a better impression? And obviously not every time you can do that. We all have bad mistakes, but on a consistent basis, are people walking in and having a positive interaction with you? Are they walking yeah. away thinking these are good people, even if they don't mm. join our movement? Are they walking away with that? Because if they're walking away with that, and then you know they're they are one step closer to being ready for Jesus coming. And I go, that's that's success for me. That's success. That's a healthy community. Well, and I so. So let's kind of end on this. We'll go a little over, but that's fine. I, I, you know, moving from unhealthy to healthy, there's a cost. I think. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a big sacred cost, cows. I think, uh, so last week I talked about preaching my first sermon that made someone walk out, and you know, stand up in protest and walk out. And that sermon is intentionally designed. The sermon's called Fluid Discipleship, and it's intentionally designed to confront people's rigidity. The idea that you know you're so rigid in your beliefs that you end up perpetuating the suffering of others, and you can be so convinced that you're right, you actually end up standing against Jesus. 
Um, think about any time that he healed someone on the Sabbath and the synagogue leaders opposed him for it and thought that what he was doing was sin. You can be so convinced that something is sin, you stand against Jesus as a result. So that sermon is specifically designed to make people confront their rigidity and either decide to double down or decide or decide to walk away from it. That's what it's designed to yeah. do. And I've preached three different times at all three of my churches, or two, both of my churches and then once the guest speaker. At my first church with someone, it actually confirmed to them um, that, hey, their rigidity... And, and I made the point that um, 100% of churches that have rigid disciples, um, the second those rigid disciples either change or leave, the church becomes healthy and grows. Um, and that person said... Um, but he said, "Hey, look, I, you know, I've already been thinking about going back to my old home church to carry on a legacy, but of a family member who recently died. But also, you know, I realized that, yeah, I think some of the ways that I'm rigid really don't mesh here, and I, I think I need to, I, I think that confirmed it for me. And I said, okay, great, your faith is fine. You're going to where you believe that you fit in, and that no big deal. My other church, it convinced a guy who was 82 years old who had worn a tie his entire life to church, um, and in everything, everywhere." He started taking off his tie for the first time in his life when he came yes! as a result. And that's like, I don't, that's huge. I don't, that sounds dumb, but that's no, so that's huge. huge. He came to me. This is an 82 year old dude who came to me the next week and's like, pastor, look, I'm not wearing a tie. Can you believe it? Like, and now he's not wearing a tie to church on a regular basis. And that's huge for him. And then at my guest speaker church, it made someone say, walk out because they could not accept um, that some things could be fluid. Some things could be um, flexible in the way we do yeah. things. And so, you know, there is a cost, and the cost is this. There is no growth without attrition. There is no growth without attrition. And I think, um, I think there will be, to get rid of or to make a community healthy, you either have to make those who are unhealthy healthy, or they will walk away. And usually what way, happens, yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to show them where the exit is. And usually they'll walk out on their own. You never, you rarely have to actually get rid of them unless it's someone who's in leadership. Um, yeah, uh, you know it's interesting. And, the the churches that I grew up in, and I'm I'm loath to do. You know, I was so rigid in my own beliefs back then. Because as a kid, man, you, I was a teenager oh, yeah. in this church. Like you're just getting out of the concrete stage where everything is or is not. And I think that's also the benchmark for a mature church, is one that loses its rigidity. Um, you know, mm. this church where I was at, they had a core group, and what's interesting is as that as it grew. And as the the culture and as the community and as the face of the church grew, there were a number of different factors of why it was unhealthy, but there were some unhealthy members in that church. And um, I hate to say it, but when they walked out, it became a healthier community. I mean, it's still not where it could have been and should have been. Um, it, it, it had a lack of good leadership for a long time. Um, but what's interesting to me is that, yeah, you could, you could immediately sense the health of the church when these people left. And what's interesting is a lot of these people went to different churches, and those churches started. You could like see trouble when they like you. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it was like I kind of yeah. feel bad, and I you know I'm not going to name names or anything like that because um, that's that's not my place. But <clears throat> you know my 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 goal is always to help people grow, and sometimes you have to let people grow by letting them go. Um, yep. And I've been involved in another church where that happened too, where, you know, and, and I was, you know, talking to this to some of the church leadership, you know, when you start exercising, it's painful. 
as you continue exercising, you are going to lose, you're going to shed excess weight. And yes, mm-hmm. you are going to look smaller. But in, in reality, as you continue to work out and grow, muscle weighs more than fat. So you are going to get growth, and it's going to be significant growth, and it's going to be stronger growth. But it is going to take, <clears throat> you are going to lose at first. At first, you are going to lose and yeah. shed. But, be, you know, that's okay. Well, and and I think, too, the other, the other half of that is you are going, if you're the person that's leading through that change, or if you're one of the people that is trying to make things healthy, you are going to be criticized and attacked. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's going to take it out of you. They say that he, I was I was interviewing another pastor recently for the other podcast that I do, and he made the point that um, they say that you should only like completely transform one church in your career if you're a pastor. Like you should only Oof. completely revitalize one Oof. church because of how much it takes out of you. Um, I think and, it depends and, and, on the pastor, but yeah, it's stressful. Yeah, no, no, it's just like especially if it's a big church, and and he's someone who, if you heard his name and you heard his story, would be like, oh, I can see exactly why he's saying yeah. that. Um, but but it really like when I say count the cost of creating a healthy community, especially from unhealthy from like you know, moving from a state of unhealthy to healthy, it's gonna cost. And I think we need to understand that walking into it and understand that it's definitely worth the cost. But it's scary. It is frightening, and that's because it's an unhealthy community at first. It fills you with that fear, and that fear will prevent you from changing what you need to change yeah. if you if you let that fear yeah. control it and control yeah. you. No, for sure. And this is not us talking, by the way. Um, There is biblical. Paul straight up says in like three or four of his of his epistles, like this. Like he names people, bro. Like Paul goes farther (laughs) than I would. He names specific people, and it's like you need to let this person go because they're causing trouble. Um, Yeah. So he does that, but then he also encourages me. He's like, if this person is causing one of the one of the biggest controversies we have in our church is this idea of um, of uh, not not uh, disfellowship because we don't understand the purpose of disfellowship. Like disfellowship isn't there to make the church healthier, yes, but it's also there to keep the church from becoming toxic. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't to remove sin from your church; it's to remove toxicity from your church. Some of the people who should be disfellowshipped are elders who've never, quote-unquote, done a bad sin. But they are extremely toxic to the environment. I mean, I, I've heard of stories back in the day when elders or pastors would stop people and give them, like, in the middle of a sermon, walk down the aisle and hand someone yeah. stuff and be like, take that makeup off your face. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that from a healthy community standpoint, that is horrific. But the community at the time was based on being, quote unquote, holier. And so they were like, yeah, thank you. I'm glad somebody said it. We're removing this toxic thing from our environment. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not health. That's not success. And that's the type mm. of thing that we need to improve. And that's the thing we need to build on is this idea of Paul saying, you need to make a healthy community. You need to remove toxic elements. For some people, yeah, it's because they're doing deliberate sin. Some people, it's a deliberate sin. Like at one point, he talks about that this guy um, is is either like marrying a, a, a relative or he's like, you know, in a relationship with his stepmother or something like that. He's like, look, this is a bad thing. Like you need to get rid of this because this is how it's going to happen. But in other environments, he's like, this person is just causing trouble. Like they're just causing trouble. 
It's yeah. not a sin. It's not a, but he goes, do you understand how this is not good for the church? This may not necessarily keep them out of heaven, but they need to be not part of that community because they are making this community less healthy. And I think that's significant for us to understand. Like when we transfer from an unhealthy community to becoming a healthy community, you are going to have to drop those toxic elements. They're either going to have to adjust and change themselves and adapt or be let go. And that's part of it. And I, I, you know, that's part of becoming a healthy man. I mean, it sounds horrible, but the apostles would not have done what they needed to do if Judas hadn't been removed from their group. And to be honest, if he hadn't removed himself, I think Jesus probably would have been like, oh, this is awesome. Hey, Judas, I need you to to sit this one out because you're not going to, you're not going to do this. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and Paul that. was ostracized for a lot of his views. Like, you know, he wasn't popular with the Jewish community because he calls Peter out and is like, dude, you need to stop showing favoritism. And they, they did not like him. They did not support him because of that Christian Jewish community. You know, so there are going to be people in your church that are going to, they're going to make your life difficult when you do this type of thing. They're going to walk out. They're going to have this. One of my elders, the only time that I legit felt attacked for what my ministry, one of my elders came up and one of the ones who supported me, and was like, ah, oh, you don't need, you know, you're, you're doing this thing and we can't do that. And and I backed off like, whoa, hey, like, what's the deal? Like, relax. But at the end, I realized, okay, yeah, this is a toxic, dude, you need to not, and I confronted him on it. And he did not like that. But I had to do it because I'm like, this is not healthy. If you continue this, if you treat other people like the way you treated me, understand this is not what a healthy community does. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, there is a cost to it, and I think it's worth it. And I think it is biblical, um, but we hope that you know this episode has really kind of shown maybe some areas where you might be healthy or unhealthy, and some things that you might be able to do. Maybe we've given you some ideas. I don't know. Whatever it is, we wanted to talk about this because this is something that's on our hearts. Yes. So, and I think it's, um, I think it's an important topic. And obviously, we could keep going, but we're over time. <laughs> we way so, over time. Um, we want to just say thank you guys for listening. If you want to subscribe to Absurdity, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any podcatching app. And if you've subscribed to us on iTunes, please leave a review. That really helps us out. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, concerns, anything like that, suggestions, email me, ryan180becker at gmail.com, or you can find myself and Tony on Twitter. I am at ryan180becker, and Tony is... Tony underscore Anobile, A-N-O-B-I-L-E, or just look up the new Dr. Jones. There you go. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to support us financially... Um, you can go to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. Every dollar helps and helps us make improvements to this show and keep the lights on in here. And so we thank you guys so much for listening, for supporting this show, and we'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, Go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.